Welcome to Season 2 of the Esthetician Hub Podcast, where we dive deeper into the world of skincare and wellness. I'm your host and licensed holistic medical esthetician, Vanessa, and in this season, I'm excited to bring you even more insightful conversations with some of the most inspiring estheticians, beauty entrepreneurs, and wellness gurus in the industry. From discussing the latest skincare trends to exploring the challenges and rewards of entrepreneurship, we'll cover it all. So sit back, relax, and let's get glowing. In this episode, we're going to be discussing about the business aspect of running a beauty company with Erica Cooper Dayton, who is a licensed master esthetician, instructor, and owner of Juno Aesthetics in Bellevue, which is an area right outside of Seattle, Washington. So join us as we learn about marketing strategies and the ups and downs of running a beauty business. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at skinwellness.studio for more skin and wellness-related content. Hello, Erica, and welcome to the Esthetician Hub. Hi. I'm so happy that you're here with us. So we're just going to jump right into it. Can you share with us a little bit about your journey and how you got started being an esthetician? Sure, of course. And thank you for having me. I love this podcast and I recommend it to a lot of estheticians. So I was really excited for this opportunity. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, So I myself, I actually had several careers before I became an esthetician. And I often tell people about this because I wish I had started when I was younger. Not that it affected my actual career, but more so that I always had a passion for skin. And so growing up, I used to make masks and I loved working with skin and I always had skincare and talked about skincare, but Mm -hmm. I felt like I was supposed to go to college and I was supposed Mm -hmm. to do certain things. And so I had different careers. And finally, uh, when I was in my 30s, my best friend, who is a professional makeup artist, her name Mm -hmm. is Thora Daniels, and she's an amazing artist um, out of Paris. She had said to me, I just don't understand why you don't uh, work on skin. It's something you've always loved. And I had moved to Seattle, Washington, and I was interviewing and looking at different positions here. And I finally, after many years, decided to take her advice. And I signed up and went to esthetician school. And the school that I chose, I feel really changed my life. You know, I had amazing teachers Mm -hmm. and I loved my experience. And in Washington, uh, we have a program called Master Esthetician where you can Mm -hmm. do some advanced studies. And so I went on and became a master esthetician and I just really missed uh, the facial environment and Mm -hmm. I went back to the school that I studied at and I became an instructor. And Mm -hmm. so I'm an aesthetics instructor. And while I was an instructor, I decided to open up my own business. So I also have an aesthetics business. And uh, before that, I had worked a few other aesthetics jobs, you know, in between everything. But this is how I become the esthetician that I am now. So that's amazing. And how long have you been an esthetician for now? Oh gosh, um, about seven or eight years. No, maybe. Okay, wow. So maybe seven years. I'm terrible with numbers and time. Same, <laughs> I feel same. like sometimes I feel like I just graduated, you know, and other yeah. times I feel like I've done this job for forever. And I think that that means how much I love learning, you know, and I yeah. always feel like as an esthetician, you're always learning and growing and changing. Yeah. Yeah, that I agree with. It's like a never ending, um, never ending education, honestly. And even if you do have like 30 years of being an esthetician, like you're still 
going to have to learn about the new techniques, the new technology that comes about. So that I definitely understand. So Erica is also the owner and founder of Juno Aesthetics in Bellevue, Washington. Erica, could you tell us a little bit more about what was your journey like starting this business? Sure. That's um, another story that I love to share because (laughs) I truly love my business. Uh, Teaching is a calling and I feel like my business is something that's just for me and I absolutely love it. I had an opportunity come up uh, with another esthetician who I admired and thought was an amazing esthetician. Her name Mm -hmm. is Noreen and her business is Noreen Skincare. And she had inquired about sharing a space with another esthetician. And I honestly had not thought about owning my own business. I'd always worked for other businesses. Yes, other companies in aesthetics. And I was teaching. And it wasn't even a thought when she approached me. I immediately took the opportunity because I really admired her. And I Mm -hmm. think it's something that I have found uh, is successful is this idea of community over competition and how partnering with people, not necessarily in the way that I did, like with another business, but just networking and having other estheticians just makes me a better esthetician. So Mm -hmm. in this case, she had approached about somebody coming and sharing a space with her. And I felt like it was such a good opportunity that I had to take advantage of it. So Mm -hmm. I decided I wanted to have my own business, (laughs) which I think a lot of people come to this profession with the idea that they want to own their own business and work for themselves. But Mm -hmm. because I had worked for some major corporations outside of aesthetics, I Mm -hmm. truly understood how difficult it is to run a business, and it was a little intimidating for me to do so. Mm -hmm. And I have learned a lot being an entrepreneur and owning my own business. Before actually partnering with Noreen, I did do a little bit of a spray tan endeavor. When I was in aesthetic school, I decided to Mm -hmm. do spray tan for people, but I felt like I didn't put a lot of myself into that business. And I just Mm. did it as clients came up and I would mobile spray tan. So I called it Juno Aesthetics just because I like that name. And Mm -hmm. I was randomly spray tanning some clients and it was a great investment, you know, with a lot of payoff, but this aesthetics business is Juno Aesthetics now which is where I partnered with Noreen and um, we came up with a schedule and I'm in the studio on Sundays and Mondays Mm -hmm. and I love it. And this business has been an endeavor that I'm grateful for all the experiences and the people I've met. And I feel like it helps me understand different parts of myself. So it's been a great journey Mm -hmm. owning Juno Aesthetics. That's amazing. And how long have you had this place for? Uh, Since July of 2019. Okay. So it's been a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yes. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, it was an interesting time to open a business because... uh, Of COVID, I imagine. Yes. So we opened, you know, she opened her portion and I opened mine. We set up and we kind of officially started. I took clients around November, you know, where Mm -hmm. I was like actively taking. And then not too long after that was the shutdown. And that, yeah, yeah, it was a great lesson. You know, I Mm -hmm. am quite proud of the fact that I was able to keep Juno Aesthetics open uh, after being shut down. I'm also Mm -hmm. very grateful and proud of the fact that I was able to have flexibility through all the changes that were occurring. I felt like they taught me a lot of great lessons just about running a business, approaching clients, how to pivot when you need to. There were points where I couldn't see clients. There were points where Clients were reaching out to me. You know, there were lots of different things. And I felt like it made my business, uh, you know, understand different parts that I might not have seen before. So, right. 
Yeah, no, that's amazing because you know what, like it, not even just in the aesthetics business, but like the world in general, it took a toll on so many companies. So that's amazing that you guys really pushed through and for sure, like you guys learned so many different things mm -hmm. during COVID-19. I feel like at this point, it's like an unstoppable, yes. <laughs> unstoppable business. Yeah. Um, can you give us tips for those estheticians who want to start their business, but are too scared to take that leap? Of course, I understand how that feels. And, yeah, you know, again, I was, I think the overall theme that I had was I saw opportunity and I didn't hesitate at opportunity. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you are starting a new business or a new aesthetics business, one of the things you really want to think of is what is this opportunity? So if you see a need for something, like you're in an area where you don't see what you're wanting to see, that's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you're mm -hmm. maybe very passionate about aesthetics in a certain part, like some people really love lashes, right? Or really mm -hmm. love facials. That's an opportunity because you're bringing something that no, somebody else doesn't have, which is your passion. Or right. let's say someone approaches you like they did me where that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I was very grateful to have it. But what if there is someone you know that you would partner well with? Maybe that creates an opportunity for the both of you. It's about paying attention. In my version, how I like to say it is paying attention when the universe knocks. Mm, um, that, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think looking and kind another point that I think helped me get over my fear of owning a business was breaking it down into three-month increments. So what okay. I would do is right before I started, I kind of planned out the first three months. This is what okay. I want to accomplish. These are some things that I need to do before I opened. You know, I mm -hmm. took clients later than when I actually opened because I was preparing for those clients. I didn't start right. my business on a Wednesday and start taking clients on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. You know, I really put a lot of thought into what do I want this place to look like? What kind of money do I need to have? What kind of business do I want to present? What kind of marketing am I able to do? I also had another job while I was starting my business. So I was teaching. So many people work another job while they start an aesthetics business. So I had to map out what part of my life, what kind of time can I put towards my business to get it ramped up and started? So I know that founding a business can be very challenging. What were some of the major obstacles that you faced in the early stages and how did you overcome them? Some of the early challenges or obstacles that I saw really had, when I look back, had a lot to do with me. You know, mm -hmm. there are things that they're just going to happen. Life happens. Things happen. I could not, for example, control the shutdown of my industry. Right. Yeah. You know, there was something terrible happening in the world and I had just opened a business and I needed to keep my business. I had just started it and I had a choice. I could either keep going or I could have given up. You know, that was a challenge. And I figured out how to stay open. I think the biggest thing that I saw with challenges were things that taught me lessons about myself. But some other ones that came up were in the beginning, I did not have a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. And so I had to figure out how to get a lot of clients or I did not in the beginning, I knew that I would have to do marketing. I knew I would have to do bookkeeping, but I did not know the depths of what I would need to do for both of these. And right. again, I was apprehensive when I started because I knew about that kind of stuff affecting businesses. So I somewhat prepared. So right. the challenge, for example, with bookkeeping, I knew one of the expenses I needed from day one was to have an accountant or a bookkeeper. Right. I knew it. Mm -hmm. I knew that even if I had software or things that would support me that I struggled in that area and I did not feel comfortable in it mm -hmm. and I wanted some help. 
So I delayed opening my business a little bit so I could save money to be able to start to have that. Right. That's really smart. Another challenge um, that I faced was finding a product line and thinking about my back bar and what I wanted to carry. And so I took some time to prepare for that as well, trying different things and finding the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Not just, I saw some estheticians, they would just pick a line because it was inexpensive or yeah. pick a line because everybody else was carrying it. Carrying and it, yeah. I gave myself an opportunity to kind of explore why I buy things, what mm-hmm. I would want out of something. And then I said, well, I don't necessarily have the money for that. <laughs> you know, I love that product, but I can't carry it. So yeah. I looked for things that I could carry that I loved as well, you right. know, and kind of explored that. So those were some early challenges. I would say the the biggest one, again, was the shutdown. But the second biggest one for me was acquiring new clients and new- how I was innovative about doing that. Okay, amazing. And I know that being an entrepreneur does require a certain mindset. What advice do you have for those aspiring estheticians looking to actually start their own beauty business? to understand from the beginning that my time is valuable. Mm. So I believe that we operate in this idea of a hustling culture where there's some kind of payoff to pushing yourself or to be an entrepreneur. You have to push yourself in so many different ways. My time is very valuable. And while I do work my business and it's difficult sometimes and sometimes I'm there longer than I expect to be or different things come about. I always equate my time and value into my goals for the business. Mm -hmm. So if I want to accomplish something for my business, I think about my personal life. I think about how I need to have self-care in addition to accomplishing these goals. So sometimes you do have 12, 14 hour days as an entrepreneur, right? But I also pepper in days off. I also Mm -hmm. look at it like I need the money, but I need this time more. Yeah, time for yourself, time to take care of yourself. Because if you're not prioritizing yourself at the end of the day, that business of yours isn't going to succeed as well as you might think. No, I could agree with that. And sometimes that looks different for lots of different people. My whole life, I have worked or gone to school and done several things simultaneously. So Mm -hmm. it's not been a problem for me. It doesn't push me, you know, but I've in this aesthetics business really valued how I would like to the type of people I work with, you know, and the people Mm -hmm. I surround myself with they empower me and help me. My clients are amazing. And the time that I spend with them energizes me. So while I have a long day, I actually really love those interactions and Mm -hmm. I feel great from them. That's my personality. And I know that about myself. Other people might spend themselves a lot during that time. Mm -hmm. And so they need to value and understand, or they should, value and understand that taking some time for themselves is just as important as earning money during that time. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I did want to talk about the marketing aspect as well, because I know you did talk about like one of the biggest challenges was getting those those clients. Um, And obviously marketing and promoting is a very crucial part to have a successful business. So what marketing strategies have you been like have seen that were the most effective for you? for your business growth? This is a question I think is so unique to each person because Mm -hmm. marketing and promoting yourself has a lot to do with who you are. You know, I did struggle for a long time gaining new clients. And I saw that when I relied on things that I wasn't necessarily into, like somebody had suggested I get uh, Yelp, you know, um, on board or things like that. I didn't really use that product. So then I was like, well, why would I invest in it? Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about 
what I pay attention to in marketing, what I like, you know, and instead of trying to follow somebody else's plan, I look to myself. So for me, I really love relationship building and I knew that word of mouth would work really well for me. So I had a few clients. I had one client in the beginning in particular her name is Daphne. She's an amazing person. And she recommended me to friends. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful for that because I was able to build new relationships because of that. Mm-hmm. So I honored that relationship to help foster and build others. And word of mouth has been a big part of my business, but building word of mouth can be hard. Right. So I had to give myself some time I also looked at marketing and marketing strategy as, again, like, what do I like? So I'm always on the go. I love to go new places. I love Mm -hmm. to take uh, my son out. I love to go try new things in the greater area. So I don't just necessarily stay in my own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So a strategy that I came up with was on my Instagram, I take a picture of my business card in a new location. So like if I'm at a park or I'm at the mall or I'm at a festival, Mm -hmm. I will hold my business card up and take a picture of it and I will tag that location. So that way, every time that people are looking up that location, my picture with my business card happens to be there. Okay. So that has nothing to do with aesthetics, but it's very natural for me to be out and about in the world. Mm -hmm. So somebody across town who might never come to my area sees my card, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's very unique, honestly, because I've honestly never heard about that before. That's a really good marketing (laughs) strategy. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it takes a while, but I have heard from newer clients. They'll be, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I saw you. Or I also put my card up anywhere I'm at, you know, like uh, juice bars, yoga studios, things like that, that offer those cork boards. I'm putting my card up. So somebody has said to me, oh, I was at this boba tea place and I saw your card or, <laughs> yeah, you know. But again, that's very natural to me because mm-hmm. I'm always out and about in those environments. Right. So yeah. uh, what is something what I say to others, if we're ever having these types of discussions is I'll Mm -hmm. say, what's something unique about you? What's something you already love and you Mm -hmm. already do, you know, and then how can you incorporate advertising for your business to that in a natural way? Right. And sometimes it takes a minute to think about it, you know, like if you love exercise, you know, how can you partner with your gym? If you love hiking. You know, are you a member of hiking groups and how do you maybe build facials or things that are geared towards hikers? You know, just different Mm. stuff where it isn't necessarily outside of your natural realm that you're already enjoying in life. Yeah, that's really, really good advice because I think like a lot of times when estheticians start off, they always go for the basics, right? Trying to put as much discounts as they can so that they can attract clients but then that kind of backfires because a lot of the times when people come to your studio or or to your wellness clinic or whichever they're only there because of the price they're not necessarily there because of the services that you're giving them and I had this one discussion with this other girl saying that I remember when she first started her business she partnered with Groupon (laughs) that was not (laughs) Yeah, I can already see you shaking your head. That was not a good um, move for her because essentially at the end of the day, these people are not coming for you. They're really coming in for the discount, you know, and they don't put as much value into what services you're putting for them or giving to them, you know? I think, uh, you know, when you discount services, it can be for different reasons. Yeah. I, I definitely have done discounts, but it's been for established clients where I'm mm-hmm. running a promotion or things. Um, I do think that people sometimes, any business, it's it requires patience yeah. and preparation. So having a savings and an understanding that it takes a while to build a business can be, it's not going to happen in my estimate. Sometimes it does. 
sometimes you open up a clinic and everybody wants in and you're right there, Yeah, you know, but it's sometimes it takes, in my case, it took several months of working on getting clients, looking at myself, looking at the facials I was offering, looking at, well, this happened and should I do this? And can I add that? And so I gave myself the idea that I was going to be paying rent and here's how much I'm going to be paying rent on my studio. Here's how much my monthly expenses were. Could I handle that if I had absolutely no business? Yeah. And, you know, after a certain while, you start to see the payoff and that's not still there. But in the beginning, it can definitely be there. And it's a, and it is hard to kind of say, I need to have patience with this. Yeah. Yep. That's what a lot of entrepreneurs need, like especially when they are starting their business. Um, it's to expect that it's going to take a couple of, you know, a couple of months for you to get established with new clients, especially, you know, and at the end of the day, it's human nature, right? Like how can people, like people don't really know about you. How can people trust you? And that's what you're supposed to to give to the people you're supposed to tell them yes trust me with my services because this is what I offer you know so it's it's all about making those really deep connections and that's true I think word of mouth is something that is really really helpful I mean word of mouth has been there for centuries on end Um, it's not a new marketing strategy at all but that has been something that has worked because we're all humans at the end of the day, you know, you hear your friend getting a facial from this specific area, you're more inclined to getting your facial there as well, you know? But, you know, that word of mouth is something that I'll hear other people say, well, I started because of word of mouth, or I heard, but in the beginning, it's hard to get that word of mouth, you know, and how I feel like it was successful for me was understanding to believe in myself and my strengths Mm -hmm. And to foster relationships within things that I was already passionate about and build word of mouth there. Right. You know, so uh, being, you know, there's lots of different strengths and lots of different people. So how can you naturally transition that to word of mouth? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's friends and family. Sometimes you don't have friends and family. So you seek, you know, other things that you're able to kind of build word of mouth through like different organizations or groups. Mm -hmm. I also really, I volunteer at different points Mm -hmm. of time. And I find that during volunteering, people ask me randomly what I do. And so sometimes those foster relationships or, you know, just attending, like I said, different types of things or going out into the universe, like you can bring it back to you. Right. No, I love that. And what are some marketing applications or business tools that you have really seen helped improve and run your beauty business much smoother? Well, there's so many and they're always developing. Mm -hmm. So it's more that I'm always open to learn new things. So I've seen other people use things or I've been watching a TikTok, for example, and I'm like, I wonder how they made that. Or wow, that's a really cool audio. I need to save that. I might not use it now, but I might use it later. So some of the basic pieces are definitely like I had to teach myself and am currently still doing so Canva, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or even like making reels or using CapCut or different tools like that. They're always updating and changing. So it's not necessarily a list of like, here are the things that I think every esthetician, it's all for me. I'm like, what is that? Wait, what is that? And, you know, um, it's a lot of exploring and failing Mm -hmm. and then going back and trying again. TikTok was a bear for me in the beginning. And now I feel like very comfortable using it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes these different uh, advertising modes like Instagram or TikTok or even Snapchat, like they change. Social media changes really quickly. And and the things that you're, you know, oh, I'm editing a video and it's really easy for me to do today. And then you get there and all the stuff has changed. Right? No, I agree. So Yeah. yeah, you have a choice. You can either get really frustrated by it or you can say, okay, I know now I have to allot this many hours towards learning. The biggest one I saw recently was threads. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. You know, I woke up one day and all of a sudden there was threads. I'd never heard of it. Didn't know what it was. I saw a bunch of people posting about it and Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, okay. So I know that even though I know nothing about it, that people are using it. So for me, I know I could get business from it Mm -hmm. because it's an outreach program. So I didn't know anything about it. I immediately set up an account and set it to the side because I didn't have time to devote at that moment to learn about threads. Right. Yeah. So I have worked into my month this month to devote so many hours into learning about this new, new thing. Platform. Yeah. Right. And I may get a hold of it and be like, this is not for me. I'm not going to use this. Right. Or I may get a hold of it and be like, wow, I really like this. You know, I've seen some truly unhinged things on threads. So I think it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Same. You know, and so I kind of, I really, I'm excited for it and that it's something new. Right. But just because I didn't look at it and say, okay, I'm going to learn that later, or I'm not making a decision on it till I explore it. But I made sure Juno Aesthetics had set up on it. I made sure Erica Master Esthetician had set up on it. Had set up. So that way I have the time to kind of explore it later. Right. Yeah. I think it's normal. Like as, as time advances and being an entrepreneur, especially you have to stay on top of what's trending. If not, then your business is going to unfortunately fail because life is, you know, passing by everyone's hopping on this new wave on this new trend. So if you're not willing to, you know, learn about these new trends, and if you're very stuck upon the old way of doing your business, then unfortunately, sometimes that that's not going to be, um, that's not going to do you a big favor. I did want to ask you. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, sorry. I was going to say, uh, flexibility as an Mm -hmm. esthetician is so vital. Yeah. That's the word flexibility and adaptability too, to being able to adapt in different environments, different situations like you with the COVID situation as well. I mean the whole entire world, honestly. Um, but I did want to ask you a question. Um, how do you handle customer feedback, especially those negative customer feedbacks? Cause I've had a lot of people ask me that question before. That's such a great question because we do operate so much on other people's opinions uh, you know, reviews, things like that. And I try, I had a situation myself come up and I was like, how would I handle this? Or, you know, I think the thing that I like to remember is that I believe in myself and what I'm doing. So the first thing is I feedback is whether good or bad, it is feedback and it's something to pause and reflect upon. Mm -hmm. So good feedback. I love to hear if somebody gives me or had given me a negative review, it's, it makes me unhappy for sure. I don't want to hear it. Right. But if I can't, I would look at it to whether or not it was warranted and whether or not I could learn something from it. Mm -hmm. So if somebody offered me feedback and I truly felt like they were correct, then It might be hard to hear, but -hmm. it's also an opportunity to grow. Right. And it's an opportunity to learn. If I read the feedback and I knew the instance of it Mm -hmm. and I thought this person's not valid in their reflection of this situation, then it's in one ear and out the other. And that's Mm -hmm. very easy to say and very hard to believe sometimes. Yeah. But I try and remember, okay, you know what? You're a great esthetician. You've done this. So if it's warranted feedback, I want to hear it, right? In this industry, just like in many other industries, though, you can have reviews placed on random places and you're like, I've never even seen this person or, you know, this person's interpretation of this situation is very different than what it is. Mm -hmm. And there are channels that you can go about having those types of posts removed, but a lot of times they take time, right? So it's just, you know, you have to, like anything else, then have a strategy to approach it. So one strategy might be to ask clients that have had a positive experience to leave other reviews. 
Um, if it's something that you feel like you could learn from, then maybe it's applying the thing that you think you could learn from, mm-hmm. you know? So there's always an opportunity to hear other people's opinions, whether or not you want them. Yeah. It's really important for you to understand yourself and know whether or not it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And if right. it is an opportunity yeah. to learn and grow, then it is a gift they've given you by leaving you that type of feedback. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, There's a lot of times where these so-called negative feedbacks are actually giving you pointers on what your business needs in order to improve and to become better. So it's definitely something to consider and definitely something that you shouldn't be, you know, like you shouldn't take it personally because I know a lot of people do take it personally. But at, at the end of the day, I don't think these people that write these negative feedbacks really want to harm you. I think it's just telling you um, indirectly what your business needs in order to improve. Um, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about your business and what services you offer, actually, because I was really interested. <laughs> Sure. Um, I am redoing my website currently. So um, I have been thinking a lot about how I explain what I do and how I want my clients to receive that information. So I looked at all the things that I could offer to people. Mm -hmm. And when I started my business, I did not want to offer things that I didn't necessarily want to be doing for eight hours a day. So I am very passionate about facials and I love giving facials and I love different types of facials. So in my own business, I decided to focus on that. Right. So I don't offer waxing services. I don't Mm -hmm. offer tinting services. The only thing that I do in my business are facials. Right. And then when I decided to do facials, I wanted to do things that were very customized So how do I approach that? Because I can't say to clients, just come and I'll do what you need. Yeah. So I decided to settle on five or six different facials that had modalities in them that had different types of modalities and things that I wanted to do. So for example, I offer my signature facial, which is the Juno facial. Mm -hmm. This is Uh, more of what I would say a traditional facial, getting to know you facial, uh, and offers all of the goodness that comes with that. But I also offer things like microneedling. I also offer nanoneedling. I also offer a more traditional facial, but I incorporate crystals and breath work in it Mm -hmm. or different types of things like that. Very small amount, but things that I have learned and loved and wanted Mm -hmm. to offer during a facial. Um, And so those are the types of services that I offer to clients are solely facials, but they're all facials built in different realms that I enjoy myself or that I love doing. Yes. I know that you also did an Ayurvedic training. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. It was actually part of the program that I learned at school. Yeah. And so we did look at things like dosha uh, and Mm -hmm. being able to diagnose someone's skin Ayurvedically and looking at, we uh, carried um, an Ayurvedic line at the school Mm -hmm. and using those types of products on clients. So my training began there then I looked into different areas of Ayurvedic facial products, Mm -hmm. how skin is approached in that. There are lots of different educational opportunities to get Ayurved, you know, training for that. That doesn't just happen at school, but I am, it's one of the areas that I think is so exciting and phenomenal. And I love seeing all the different aspects of it. So I, doing a deep dive on that and you can get some certifications in it where they get a little bit deeper on it. Mm-hmm. Currently, for example, I don't have those certifications. I just have the training that I received in school. Right. So I don't offer an Ayurvedic facial mm-hmm. because I feel like I could have more education on it to be able to really expand on my initial training. Right. Right. 
Okay. And I know that we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's also very important to take care of yourself. Um, so how do you manage your work-life balance, especially having a beauty business and being an instructor as well? <laughs> I feel like, again, flexibility is key here mm -hmm. because some weeks I do great at it and some weeks I still am like, wow, I learned a lesson here, yeah. you know? Um one of the reasons that I loved owning this business was I felt like I could create my own schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, again, had to look at how much time the business was taking. Yeah. So even though I can create my own schedule, sometimes I would have these really long days. Yeah. So it's truly important for me to look to what I want to accomplish for myself personally and professionally and map it out. And again, some weeks I'm successful at it and some weeks I kind of, oh, I could have probably done a little bit better here or done a paid attention to this a little bit more. I like to say nothing is getting necessarily a hundred percent every day, every time. So I look at it in more percentages, you know, but that works for me. Mm -hmm. um, I also like to remember that self-care for me looks different than what it might look like for the media. <laughs> yeah. You know, people, like yeah. self-care for me really is honoring things like a doctor's appointment, mm -hmm. honoring my dentist's appointment, mm -hmm. not rescheduling things making sure that when I have things that are important for my health or my child or my family, yeah. that they truly are the priority and there's nothing that is worth that amount to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And I think it's also super important to designate one day, one day of just having some you time, especially if you have a family, if you're a mother, to just designate some time with your children, with your husband. I think that's really, really great to have a good like work-life balance. For sure. You know, and that also looks different for everybody. Like, yeah. for example, I work every day, right? Yeah. I, but I have a schedule where I'm not working full hours every day. Mm -hmm. So some days I have more time off than others. And that really works for me. And I like that. If Now, I do definitely take days off. I will have a full day. Yeah. You know, but I like doing these pockets of time where I know I have nothing to do this morning. And all I'm going to do is spend time with my son. Yeah. Right. And then I know in the evening, maybe when he's busy with his activities, I'm going to go do this, mm -hmm. you know, or like if I have plans with my partner, uh, he and I might have plans to go do something. I know I've taken that time out, even though I've worked that day, I've taken mm -hmm. that time out. I also know personally for me, self-care is sleep. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it is not a luxury. When I was younger, I used to be like, sleep's a luxury. And I really did not sleep a lot. It was just my personality. Even when I was a child, I just did not, you know, I'd, I'd go to bed when I wanted and get yeah. up. You know. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've and worked on things like learning about health. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I was like, well, it was just the narrative I was telling myself. I always go to bed at 1 a.m. I always yeah. go to bed at 2 p.m. And I decided to do a sleep training. And I train and I started to go to bed at, I can't even, I still can't believe it. I trained my, I started to go to bed at 8 PM. No. Yeah. Oh and I was like at the first two or three weeks yeah. of trying to make myself go to bed at 8 PM. I was like, this is ridiculous. This will never happen. Right. right. Yeah. And then I got into a mode and now I'm about nine, nine thirty ish, you know? Wow. It's not always like that. Some days, you know, I do go to bed at 1 a.m., right? It happens, But yeah. I gave myself this understanding that I wanted to work on this. This mm -hmm. was an area of self-care that I wanted to explore. And instead of being like, I don't need sleep, I'm fine, I operate, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to see if I actually do need eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see if I'm going to try this. And I gave myself time to explore it. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't take two or three days and I was like, well, this didn't work. I'm done. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm grateful for that. 
because what I've learned to do in self-care is give myself the gift of time mm-hmm. and exploring uh, spirituality, exploring health, exploring interests, exploring hobbies, integrating them in my personal life, my family life, and my business life. Yeah. And how much of my time can I devote towards the business this week? Mm. How much of my time can I devote towards my other endeavors like teaching? How much of my time can I balance here? Right. And it's constantly changing. And like I said, sometimes really successful and sometimes learning lessons, but I'm open to the experience of it. And I'm glad now that I understand that my time is valuable. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's what's really important is to build those good habits so that, you know, you're able to really not only sleep early, but I feel like it's a domino effect, right? Like once you start building these good habits, everything else follows. So now we're not just sleeping at a good time. We're also eating or we're also, you know, doing um, enough workouts per day, right? So it's like, I think what's interesting about beauty entrepreneurs and just entrepreneurs in general is that a lot of them have such a great like schedule and they know how to manage their time so properly you know they designate time for their family they know how to designate time for their business they have time for themselves as well and that's what I find really really inspirational it's not just about being a business owner it's literally about becoming the best version of yourself as well you know in throughout the process literally Yes. And I think that can apply when you're even working for others or you're going through an education journey. You know, it starts and ends with you. Mm -hmm. So how well do you know yourself and how willing are you to change and how willing are you to grow and how willing are you to kind of stop the narratives that you've convinced yourself of to hear what can improve and help? but also what you need, listening to your needs. Again, like I've had to stop several times in my aesthetics career and say, is this really what I need right now? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like sometimes I definitely needed more money, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I definitely needed to take time to earn more money. And sometimes I needed to take care of my health. And sometimes I needed to take care of other things. Like it's always being able to adjust and have flexibility and adaptability mm-hmm. yeah. and starts and ends with learning and knowing about myself. Right, exactly. And I know that teaching is actually a really big passion of yours. And you're also a licensed aesthetic instructor. And a lot of the listeners here on the podcast, they are student estheticians or those really, really passionate about the skincare industry. So what are some advices that you would give to students to help them succeed in both their education or their future careers? I am very passionate about teaching. It's true. I wanted very much to be a part of teaching in aesthetics Mm -hmm. because I wanted to change some things about education in aesthetics. Right. So, you know, this is, this career, while it seems like it's been around a long time, it truly is still in its infancy Mm -hmm. and education is growing and changing just as well. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think Looking at the right school for you and what you want to learn is vital. Yeah. You know, there can be different schools in different areas and you can be like, well, I can't afford that school or that school's so far away. Well, what do you need to do to get to that school? Because if the school is worth, you know, the education that you want to receive, then that might be worth those things to you. Sometimes people don't have those opportunities. So it's what else are you going to do to help you accomplish those goals? Right. You know, so as an aesthetic student or current student, what I, if you're not learning, maybe everything you think you want to learn, then that's something that you want to build on when you leave, you know, what kind of certifications are you going to look towards? 
What other areas could you be educated from? Can you attend conferences? Can you build upon your education? Because, you know, school really is an opportunity and opportunities can look different in different ways. So if you're not necessarily having that experience, then what else can you do to have that experience? Right. Yeah. That's a very, very good way of putting it. And I actually wanted to know what inspired you to become an instructor. And can you share us a little bit about your journey of becoming an instructor, especially in the aesthetics industry? So I uh, actually had taught a bit before in a previous career, Mm -hmm. and I did love facilitating learning. Yeah, This is, I love the process. I'm also very, I love the learning process myself and I always like learning. Mm -hmm. So when I was in aesthetic school, I really enjoyed my experience and I had an amazing teacher Mm -hmm. and the experience was really positive for me. So I thought I would love to work with this person every day. (laughs) Yeah. She was, she is just one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And it really inspired me. Yeah. Um, her name is Spring, and I'm grateful that now I get to work with her every day, you know. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I thought about with aesthetics instruction is why would I want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like any other type of teaching, it's a calling, I yeah. feel like. It's not, I couldn't not teach. That's yeah. it. You it was know? in you. Yeah. It was in me, and I felt drawn to it. So, mm-hmm. I think if somebody has that feeling, they know that about themselves. And what you can do, if you don't necessarily know it, is look at your life as a whole and what do you do naturally. Right. You know, whatever job careers I had, I always went towards facilitating information. Mm -hmm. I liked to pass along information. I liked working collaborative, you know, working with other people in different settings where we were sharing knowledge. Yeah. So to me, teaching was just something I already was doing. I just didn't necessarily know it in several cases, right? So in aesthetics, I did see some things in the education process where I was like, oh, I would love if somebody talked about this, or I wonder if there's a different textbook for that. Yeah. And so it was important enough to me that I not just wanted to do what I like to do naturally, but also that I was a part of the change that I wanted to see. Right. Oh, that's a very good way of putting it. Um, Amazing. So thank you so much, Erica, for joining me today. Uh, For those listening out there, I'll be definitely linking Erica's socials to the description in this podcast. Did you have any more questions for me before we end it? No, I just want to say again, mm-hmm. I have enjoyed your podcast and you. I pass it along to others. I think it's so great in this industry that we have estheticians that want to share information and we can all learn from each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, offering something like this for estheticians is great. And Thank I love you. to see all the different facets that people do and their perspectives. So mm-hmm. I just uh, appreciate being on here and thank you for that. Of course. No, it's all my pleasure. I'm actually so happy that you joined me here today. And I think you gave us some very, very, very good information that I think a lot of people will benefit from. That's for sure. Okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> no problem. So I hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your day and bye for now. If you guys enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave a rating as this helps my podcast so, so much. And if you're located in the Montreal area, feel free to book a facial with me with the link in my bio on Instagram at skinwellness.studio. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And also make sure to download my free acne healing guide if you are on the road to healthier skin. On that note, I wish you all an amazing rest of your day and see you in the next episode.